have a little bit of fun. I'll try to make it short and sweet so that we can keep it um, more palatable for everyone. It's going to be a little bit difficult for you in the car, so I'll have to describe some of the things that you'll see up behind. So the first slide is an image. Jim, if you just hit one of the side cursor, it should go to that first slide. Oh, um, the little icon in the corner looks like a TV, if you'll click on that. The bottom right-hand corner of your toolbar on your screen looks like a TV. There you go. So there's a few mullets. Uh, if you can, can't tell which one is me, I'm on your far left. We are being a little bit rebellious because uh, we were just college students. That's my first undergraduate seminary. And so in case those of you in the car are curious, what they're looking at is some images of college punks on a roof with an inflatable dragon for no good reason. I wanted to show you that because it's exactly what I was, a punk. I had my fair run-ins with the police. I drove a 66 Impala at this particular time and got pulled over a lot just because I looked like trouble. Uh, my car, long before it was popular to have lights underneath your car, my car had lights underneath it. And it was a hot rod, sports car. I looked like trouble. I had police search my cars many times. I, one particular time, I was a youth minister at this time. I'm taking kids. We went on a, a, a Halloween thing the church had put on, and the church was going to meet us at the pizza place. And I was taking some of the kids there. And I got pulled over. It was a big deal. There were, there were multiple police cars. And I pulled over right at the pizza place because that's where they came up behind me and turned the lights on. And I said, is there a problem, officer? And he said, yeah, you were peeling out back there. I go, oh. My kids, the youth group kids, high school kids said, no, he wasn't because I wasn't. I didn't do that. I didn't, do, I didn't set that kind of a bad example. But he said that I did. So I, I told him, no, don't argue, don't argue. And then the preacher starts walking out towards the car thinking, what in the world has this youth minister done? And as he walks toward the car, one of the officers says to me, is that your dad? I go, no, he's the preacher. I'm a youth minister. We're taking these kids and doing things with them on Halloween night to keep them out of trouble. That's what we're doing. That's pretty much the whole church inside that pizza place. So they rethought it, and they didn't ticket me and stopped accusing me of peeling out. <clears throat> but I want to give you that because I want to show you some images that might disturb you, might make you a little bit troubled. So if you'll go ahead and go to that first slide and click it once, click it one more time, you can hit the space bar or an arrow to the right. We're having a system failure. You've seen it on your computer? Just so you know, this never happens. <laughs> okay, so if he catches up with me, I will describe to you what you would be seeing. So the first image I have is of President Joe Biden. And I did that on purpose because Sometimes when you show an image of 
President Joe Biden in front of some people, people get all upset. The second image is of former President Donald Trump. I show that image to you because the people who didn't get upset about Joe Biden's image would get upset more than likely about Donald Trump's image. I'll give you a little bit of information. Um, I have a belt that I bought that says Donald J. Trump on it because it was on sale for $5 as he was running for president. Why did I buy it? I bought it because it was a good price and I thought it was hilarious that when you flip it over it said made in China. That just seemed funny to me. But so you would be seeing an image of Joe Biden and Donald Trump and having different people with different political views. People would get upset about one or the other. And I, and I also show, would show you another image, and that would be of our governor, Jay Inslee. And that could upset people. Why would I show you images like this? Because it illustrates a problem that we have amongst our people and in our churches. We have a real problem. When it, you remember when you were younger? Remember when you were very small and your parents gave you this idea that you could grow up and be president. It was a great thing. And, and it didn't matter who the president was. As a little boy growing up, I thought it'd be a, an honor to meet a president, to see one, be close to one. There's Joe Biden. There's Donald Trump. And there's Jay Inslee. Ah, <laughs> go ahead and hit the next one. You'll see the, see the next picture. And there's police that could upset people, too, because we live in a world where um, an increasing number of people don't seem to like the police. I wanted to show you these images because I wanted to stir up things within you that you would reach within and you, would, you could feel some of these feelings that you have. And I want to let Scripture give us some guidance on how we're supposed to think. Now, if you could go to the next slide. And this is one of our peaceful protests. And I'm not joking, that's exactly where this image came from. It had a title, Peaceful Protest. And that's what they were saying was happening. As you can see, an officer is getting struck with a, an object. That's not a peaceful protest. We're losing our minds if we think that's a peaceful protest. I want to show you something else. This image is of a crow's foot. It's called a peace symbol. Most people don't know where this came from. They think, oh, the hippie movement, 70s, that's what that is. Well, that's when it got really, really popular for sure. But if you look closely at this, it's called a crow's foot. It's also called a broken cross because that's what it came from. And the idea is to reject any type of authority because authority makes me have to do stuff, and I'm not at peace with that. That's where that whole idea of using this as a peace symbol is, because the church represents this ultimate authority. And I'll tell you something. Here's another symbol. This is the anarchist uh, symbol on the next slide. It's a nice and neat one. Here's the way it's usually spray-painted is on the next symbol. And you see this in different types of graffiti. It was actually on our state capitol uh, building on the rotunda on the front of it not too many years ago. I want to tell you something about this particular guy because I've got a story that goes along with it that's related to me. 
This next slide is of Jeff Monson. Raise your hand if you've ever heard of Jeff Monson. Nobody in the room. I'll tell you a little bit about him. If you can go ahead and click that, Jim, they can see who I'm talking about. On the next slide. Well, Jeff Monson is, he's all tattooed. He's uh, very much a tough guy. He fought in various mixed martial artist competitions. There's a poster up behind him. There's a picture of him. And you can tell he's not exactly your average guy. He considers himself an anarchist. He has children. He lives in the Lacey area. And he was considered a world champion mixed martial artist. At a particular time, I had a friend of mine who was working on some, a marketing project. And he was asked to help them get a, a piece of the puzzle together. A particular individual is an NFL man, a former NFL celebrity, um, was putting together an exercise, pro exercise program for um, a reality TV pilot. They were going to run it. I don't know what channel was going to pick it up. I have no idea. But I got a phone call. My friend calls up and says, hey, I've been tasked with finding someone uh, for a particular project, and I told them about you, so I thought I'd call you. Longtime preacher in the Pacific Northwest. So we thought this would be a good idea. We've got this NFL guy that's got an exercise program he wants to promote by doing a pilot, uh, do a TV reality thing where some athletes get together and and they live together. They're forced to live together to work this program. And they'll record it over a two-week period, but it will air on television over a longer period. So what was supposed to happen is the NFL guy, there was a professional baseball player. I think they had Casey Keller that was ready to also be a part of it, which is a soccer player. They had different professional athletes, and they had Jeff Monson. But what they didn't have was the drama that you need to get people to keep watching the show. They, they, they needed somebody that Jeff Monson would hate so much that he would want to pulverize that person every time he saw them. So they thought of me, a preacher. Because an anarchist can't stand law enforcement, can't stand government, can't stand preachers, put a preacher in there. And at the time, I happened to be at my physical prime, so they thought, hey, yeah, well, he might lose a tooth or something. We'll insure him. They told me this. I might actually get beat to a pulp, but we'll pay you to be on this in this series. And so I said, okay, I'll do it. And I began practicing some more mixed martial arts. I haven't done it in a long time. I haven't done boxing in forever, so I thought, I better be ready, because if he starts beating on me, I better at least try to defend myself. It never happened, but that's my story in connection with Jeff Monson. I, as a preacher, am perceived, because I'm a preacher, as a position of, a person in a position of authority. Today, we're going through the series, Authentic Living Today. That's the next slide. There you go. First Peter chapter 2, ver, uh, verses 13 to 17 is where we're going to go. Next week on Resurrection Sunday, yes, we have a special thing happening at 9.30, and it is, it is special. It's very short, but it's a special little worship thing, and it, it's kind of cool. But we're going to go ahead and go with the normal message thing that we normally do every Sunday. We're not going to do something extra special. We're just going to have a, a message. I'll tell you a little bit about that in a minute. But today's message, the antithesis of anarchy, because that's what the text mandates. Let's go ahead and jump into it. First Peter chapter 2, starting with verse 13. 
be subject to the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor, and it can be translated king, and if you want to push it further out, in the United States of America, we could say president. So let me read that again. Be subject to the Lord's sake, for the Lord's sake, to every human institution, whether it be to the president as supreme, or to the governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. He's already touched on this, Christians. We should live our best in order to please the Lord so that others who don't know the Lord can see that we are genuine. It's when we try to be just like the world that the world sees us as fake. We think that we win them over if we try to be just like them. But no, what ends up happening is they see us as phony. There's an expectation that Christians are different because we're supposed to be. And God calls us to be. So even in respecting those who are in authority, that we're supposed to obey them, even if it seems like it's overreaching, even if it seems like it's oppressive, and we'll get more into that next week, we're still supposed to respect the authorities. And you might think of, okay, but remember that one time? Okay, let's look at that one time. In Acts chapter 5, verse 29, but Peter and the apostles answered, after they were told to stop speaking in Jesus' name, he answered, we must obey God rather than men. So yes, it's true. If somebody's going to tell you to do something that's against your Christian faith, don't do that. Do what God wants. But we're not talking about that when we're talking about all these political opinions and conspiracies and all the stuff you see on social media. And I sure hope you've learned to turn your social media off because you're getting fed a whole bunch of junk. But this, these feelings that come up in us when we see an image of Joe Biden, when we see an image of Joe Biden, we should think that's the president of the United States. We should be praying for our president. Wouldn't it be a wonderful story if we keep praying for our president and our president suddenly renews his commitment to the Lord and suddenly starts taking, he has some thoughts and takes some actions better pleasing to the Lord. Wouldn't that be wonderful? Why don't we pray for our president? Why don't we, when we see an image of our president, think that person has a lot on their shoulders? We should pray for them. Not have this bad feeling inside because we might not like that particular political party or the particular political positions or even the things that, that seem like they're coming down the pike that might be oppressive to us as Christians. That's the president. Same thing with the former president, Donald Trump. Same thing with Barack Obama. Same thing with George W. Bush. You just keep on going however far back you want. You, you're supposed to honor and respect the president. You don't have to honor things they do that are improper. But the position, the office, the person that holds it, you need to be respectful and not act the way I've heard some Christians acting. And I'm not saying that because it's my opinion. It's because Scripture's telling us this. Look, it, it, there's more. I, I want to give you this in Matthew chapter 10. This is an interesting thing. Jesus said, do not think that I have come to bring peace. This is Matthew 10, 34. Do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace, 
but a sword. And in the context, he's talking about there are whole families that are going to be divided against each other, mothers against daughters, fathers against sons, and vice versa, and all around. Because when you make a commitment, commitment to Jesus and you're totally sold out, not everybody in your family is going to love that. In fact, I've talked to many Christians that when they make a dedication to Jesus, and they're, they're totally sold out, their family thinks that they're in a cult. Man, you're acting like you're in a cult or something. You're some sort of a fanatic. That's the way people act when their family members suddenly have a commitment to Jesus. That happens. Jesus did not come to bring peace, but a sword. If you decide to follow Jesus, you can expect there will be trouble in your life. There's many more passages I could give you, but I want to move on to our text. Verse 13 through 15, be subject to the, for the Lord's sake to every human institution. I'm just going to read this again, and then I'll move on. Whether it be to the president, emperor, king, as supreme, or to the governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. People who don't have morals, people who are completely oblivious. There is another passage that supports this passage in 1 Peter chapter 2. And it comes from Romans as well. And I'll give you this. Romans chapter 13, verse 1 and following, Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment, for rulers are not a terror to good conduct but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good, and you will receive his approval, for he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is the servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Therefore, one must be in subjection not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. For because of this, you also pay taxes. For the authorities are ministers of God attending to this very thing. Pay to all what is owed to them, taxes to whom taxes are owed, revenue to whom revenue is owed, respect to whom respect is owed, honor to whom honor is owed. I'm sure it bothers you to see things that are happening in our world today. Maybe you've seen some of the images where you've got senior citizens, a pregnant woman, and you've got them standing on a subway with younger people sitting down in all the seats. Have you seen images like this? Like, what in the world is going on in our world? Well, Christians, we're not exactly setting the best example. We're not giving respect where respect is due. We're not acting like God wants us to act overall as Christians. Too many times in too many churches, I have heard myself, people, be extraordinarily disrespectful to presidents, to governors. It's one thing to disagree with what they do, and it's another thing to be disrespectful. Christians... We're supposed to be respectful, whether we like them or not. 
Look at, do you think Jesus thought that Pilate was a great person? But he subjected to his authority. And if he hadn't done that, we couldn't celebrate Resurrection Sunday next week. He subjected himself to the authorities. Do you think he could have resisted and saved his own life? He's the Son of God, of course. It continues, verse 16 in our text, 1 Peter chapter 2. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. In a church of all places, in a Bible study, in a small group meeting of Christians that gather, that would be the last place that you would think that you could bring a friend, a neighbor, a family member, and hear disrespectful talk about those in authority. But it's been happening. Shame on us. You might be sitting in the car listening to this. You might listen to this online and you might think, what in the world? Does something get under the preacher's skin? He wants to harp on this? No, we're preaching through the Bible. We're going right through the text in Peter and God's teaching this. Don't skip over it. Don't ignore it. We're not going to. But I hope anyone who's listening also pays careful attention. We have instructions that's inspired for all of us, for me and for you. And if you have been misbehaving as a Christian, according to the scripture we're reading right now, then repent. If you want to, sometimes you want to, okay, so today, some of you aren't even in the room, you're listening out in the car, and some of you aren't even here, and you're going to hear this message later, but the room is very empty. And and we have to be, in, in one sense, because we have to do the social distancing, but we wouldn't have to be this empty if people wouldn't, weren't being so loving and extra careful to make sure we, they don't expose us to something that they might have. So I'm thankful for that. But sometimes you can't help but hope that God sends more people, that we can have a greater impact on this world. I mean, if you think about it, can you imagine a world where more school teachers know Jesus, more principals know Jesus, more co-workers know Jesus, more people at the shopping market know Jesus, more people at the convenience store, at the fast food and the other restaurants, and everywhere you go, more and more people have a personal relationship to Jesus, which would mean there would be more people in here too. Can you imagine a world like that where more and more people have aligned their minds with this book? This is a, that would be a better world, wouldn't it? So you can't help but you want to you want to pray that more people would be in here and come to our small groups and our Bible studies and we have a greater impact, well, then we need to get our heads thinking in a way that pleases the Lord. Because when it comes down to it, if we want His blessings, we have to bless Him. Our Lord needs to be pleased with our behavior if He's going to bless us. If we're praying, God, send people to us. Why would he send people to us if we're going to sin right in front of them and start bad-mouthing the president or the governor every time we have a chance because we think that's what we're supposed to do? And Christians, you can disagree without being disrespectful. Yes, you can. We did it for years. We can get back to that. The next verse is our last verse in our text today, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 17. Honor everyone. Now, if you just chew on that for a little bit. Wrap your brain around that one. Honor everyone. 
What about people that are yeah, not really worthy? Well, are you worthy of the grace of God yourself? I'm not. I don't know if you've ever had the opportunity to show honor to someone who rarely ever is shown any honor. But I have, I have, and I've got to watch people act differently because they're treated differently. And Christians of all people, we should know how to treat people better. So honor everyone. And when you think about how you talk about the president, governor, former president, former governor, or some person in authority, school teacher that's over you, boss that's over you, anybody who's in a position of authority over you, how do you talk about them? Think about this one little passage here, this one little, it's two words in one sentence, honor everyone. Are you doing that? Look at the next part, love the brotherhood. That means love your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. How do you do that? Well, here's a way. If you want to try to figure out what that looks like, here's how you do that. Ask yourself this question about other people you know that are Christians. Maybe some that aren't here. Maybe some that are here. Do they know that I love them? You ask that question, then your mind can go to places like, how do I make sure they know? I need to do something to make sure these fellow Christians know that I love them. What can I do? Sometimes words are good, but actions are way better. I mean, going out of your way to take care of people, way, way better. So we've got some people that are here or that are not here that are, you know, they have cold symptoms or whatever they've got going on that they don't want to come in here and make us nervous. And so they're not here. Maybe they've got the flu. Maybe they end up with COVID. Is there something we can do to help them? Is there some, some way we can prepare some food carefully and deliver it to their doorstep and, say, and then call them and say, hey, got some food, it's on your doorstep. I followed all safety protocols, so I'm not going to make you sick, but there's some food, you don't have to worry about it, it's right there for you. There's a way. Let your mind run with that. Love the brotherhood. And then fear God. Why did Peter have to say fear God in here? i personally think, because some people will read this and not apply it to themselves. They'll read this and like, eh, yeah. Here's some of the things people would say. Some people that might be sitting in their car, some people may listen on the internet and think this, already think, already think it. Okay, Joe Biden, all right, Joe. Well, I'm not even sure if he was really elected. That's going to fly out of somebody's mouth or it's going to enter their head. It's the president. However you think, whether you think it was improper how he got there or not, he's the president. Fear God. You better fear God because we all have to stand before him. And we just got done reading his instructions and how we're supposed to respect and honor those in authority. You better fear God. You better do what he says. If you don't want to bow down to him and worship him now by your behavior and your words, you'll be forced one day. I recommend fear him. And so does Peter. It's right here in our text. And then he wraps it up with this. Look at this. Honor 
the president or honor the king or honor the emperor. The supreme authority in the land, honor that person. That's what we're supposed to do. Honor that person who's an, an extreme authority over us. President, governor. Law enforcement officer who pulled me over when I was a punk teenager because I paid because I got my first credit card, which I shouldn't have because I wasn't ready to manage my money. I got my first credit card for Montgomery Ward. Y'all remember that? It's back when we lost the hymn books. We lost the Montgomery Wards back at that time. <laughs> uh, so I had a Montgomery Ward credit card, so I thought, hey, I can't afford a new car battery, but I need one. So I took my 66 Impala to Montgomery Ward, and I got a payment plan on a car battery, believe it or not. And when they put that car battery in is when I decided I would never do that again. I'm always going to buy my own car batteries and install them. Why? Because when they put that car battery in, they broke my headlight. They, they hit the wires and broke the connection on the backside, and I had to repair that. But I didn't know it until I was driving. I'm driving south. I'm going down from uh, Rich Hill, Missouri, down to Joplin, Missouri. And there's one of my middle school kids that's been taken to Pittsburgh State Hospital. I think it was Pittsburgh State University Hospital, somewhere in Pittsburgh, Kansas. And I got to go over there on the Kansas side and go see her. And it got dark when I was heading back to Joplin. And as I was going on the Kansas side with Missouri plates, a young law enforcement officer pulled me over. He was my age. Are you aware you have a headlight out? Yes, I'm where I have a headlight out. And when it got dark, I noticed my headlight was, would it be on, and it would go off, and it would be on. I got out, and I noticed that the people that just put the battery in just before I headed to the hospital over here, they broke my connection, and I can't fix it until a place is open tomorrow, and I can uh, work on it. I can get some parts. And, and uh, I said I was actually counting the cars that were going by that had headlights out because it just became a thing just to you know, stay alert as I'm driving. And he said, sir, can you step out of the car? Sure. I stepped out of the car. He patted me down thoroughly, had me uh, lay on the ground to do part of that. Uh, searched underneath my seats, and it was, seemed like he was purposely humiliating me. And it felt weird because he was my age, looking for drugs or something. I, I don't know. At some point in time, I could have easily got upset with him. I was like, could you just stop? You can tell I'm not doing anything. You can tell that this was just broken, but I didn't. And I actually received a citation for a headlight being out, believe it or not. I want to read to you from uh, Romans again, another passage. This is in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, because the whole world seems to be more and more anti-police, more and more anti-government, more and more anti-authority. Look at this. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Verse 2, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. See, if you can get your mind in the right place, 
instead of being like the world, try to be like God wants you to be, you'll begin to understand what God wants you to do in this world. You'll begin to understand your purpose. You'll begin to understand how to worship God in a way that pleases Him. So let me show you these images again. Here they all are, all four of them up there that might cause people to get upset. you got President Joe Biden, former President Donald Trump, the Governor Jay Inslee. You've got law enforcement up there. I hope that when you see images like this, you don't get all worked up and have the wrong thoughts inside of you. Do you remember the what would Jesus do bracelets? Everybody was doing that. And I kind of mentioned a little bit about this, and and I'm going to mention more again next week. That If the Lord wills, we're going to talk about this a little bit more. Because the whole idea of what would Jesus do came from a book by Charles Sheldon called In His Steps. I'll talk more about that next week. But I wanted to show you this, at least as an introductory thing. This week, um, I want to go ahead and, and talk about three things to wrap this up. I said I'd make it short and sweet, so that's what we're doing right now. First of all, live respectfully and honorably. This is what we can clearly see in the scripture we've read today. Live respectfully and honorably. Christians, we're not supposed to be like the world. We're supposed to live differently. They're supposed to notice that we don't talk like them. We don't act like them. We're different. Not that we think we're better than them, but we have a higher standard. We're trying to please the Lord. So let's do that. Secondly, go ahead and click that. Give respect and honor where it is due. So you live respectfully and honorably and give respect and honor where it is due. Simple. There it is. Two things right out of our text. But there's a third piece I want to add, and it's in yellow. You'll see that. Make the most of opportunities. And I take that from Ephesians chapter 5, verse 16, and Colossians chapter 4, verse 5. I'm not going to quote those to you. I just give you those references. I'll give it again in case you're writing it down. Ephesians 5, 16. I'm sorry, Ephesians 5, 16, and Colossians 4, 5. If you look those up, you will find those to be very powerful. But we want to make the most of the opportunities. And why am I telling you this this week when it comes to what would Jesus do? Because I'll tell you, Jesus did make the most of opportunities, and he wants us to do the same. We have scripture inspired that tells us to do that. What does that look like? Let me explain. I I mentioned this, and I do think God's hand was all over it. Those of you who were here last week remember me saying that I have been vaccinated twice. I don't really like wearing a mask. My every day, all day long, my work week consists of wearing a mask all day. I hate it, but I do it. And when I come here, you see me wearing my mask when I'm interacting with any of you. That's what I do. I don't judge you if you don't wear a mask. I want to be clear. If you're not wearing a mask, I'm not judging you. I'm not wearing a mask because I don't in any way want to cause any problems to other people. I don't want to spread something to anyone else. Even though I'm double vaccinated, I'm going to be okay. I wear a mask for other people. And I especially wear a mask when I'm in this church because, and I'm especially, you'll see me doing it, I'm I'm preaching right now, that's why I'm not wearing a mask. But when I'm 
close to anybody. I'll have a mask on. And we are likely going to have people in here who have never been in here before next week. I'm inviting some friends. Are you? And I'm going to, if my friends come, I'd like to sit with them, but we're trying to do the social distancing thing, so they'll probably have to sit by themselves. And I will go into the lobby area during communion and all the other stuff when I'm not preaching to make sure there's room in here for my friends that might be here. Let me give you some other things that will be helpful to you. Church members, try as hard as you will. I know it's not that easy. It would be better if you sat towards the front. And the reason for that, unless you have you know, some underlying condition where you got to get up and go to the bathroom or get out for whatever reason, um, then if you sit in the front, it's a whole lot better for any guests that we might have if you're here in this room. Why is that? Because if you're a new person walking into a building you've never been in before, they don't have a clue what to expect. They could walk into a church that's playing with poisonous snakes because there's some churches that do that crazy stuff. You know, so they, they kind of want to observe, sit toward the back and observe. They don't want to walk into a church building where all the members have filled up all the seats in the back and they have to go sit up front. They don't want to do that. They come because there's a lot of things that go along that are negative that go along with forcing new people to sit on the front. Imagine if you're a new person, pretend like this isn't your church, you're in a different church, and, you're, and you've, been, you, you've never been here before, so you are forced to sit on the front because all the members sat in the back. So now you sit in the front, and then you don't know what's going to happen when communion happens, so you don't know how to behave because you can't observe as well because you're in the front. It's even worse when, you're in, you know, when the communion is being passed because, like, I don't know, are we supposed to wait and do it all together? Or am I supposed to do it as it's passed? I don't know. It's in the front. You don't know what to do. Are we supposed to stand or are we supposed to sit? You don't know because you're in the front. See, see how awkward that becomes? Like, why would new people want to be forced to sit in the front? They don't. So think about that. And if you happen to be sitting in the front and you look around and you see, uh-oh, there's... Too many people, they don't have enough seats. Get up out of the front and leave. Go into the lobby and let some of our guests have some seats in the room at least. There's plenty of other things you can think of, like if the parking lot seems full, find another parking space. I haven't even done it. I, apparently there's a way to park down, go down this way. Is that right, Jim? I'm going to try that next week. You watch. I won't be parked out here. Just in case we fill up the parking lot, I want to be out of the way. If you see somebody... There you go. If you see somebody here who can't do that, you could also volunteer to park their car for them and go get it when service is over if you've got somebody that can't go down and park and would like to have their car parked down. There's a whole bunch of things, but make the most of the opportunities. Also, if you suspect that your friends might come that you've been inviting for years, you know, the neighbors or the co-workers, you know what? We we don't have a church home, and we ought to be in church on Easter. If If they think that way and they say that to you and you... You think they're coming. Think about how to make it as pleasant as possible for them to come. Maybe you ought to not have great plans where you can't do something with them afterwards. Whatever. Let let your mind run with ways to make the most of opportunities. When you're here, make sure that you have an opportunity. If there's new people here, get to know them. And we don't do this as a church, but I've been in a lot of churches where where you'll do this thing, say, okay, everybody stand up and shake hands with somebody you don't know. You know what usually happens when when you do that? 
is usually the church members go talk to church members. And if there's a guest, they might go up to a guest and go, oh, how are you doing? Nice to meet you. Oh, I wanted to talk to you. And they'll move right on, and they won't have a meaningful conversation with the new people. They'll move right on to the people that they already know. And the new people are left there with their hands in their pocket going, I guess we're done. They don't feel like we're very friendly when we think we're being very friendly. You got church people that you have great relationships with. My recommendation, spend time getting to know some of the new people who came into the building. Sometimes people walk into our building and they, they come in because they just moved to the area or they come in because life is unraveling. We need to get back in church. It'd be good. And they show up and if they feel like we all loved each other real well, but we didn't love them, they might give up on church. So make the most of the opportunity. Love people the way you know how to love people when they're here. Think about those things. What would Jesus do? That's what Jesus would do. I guarantee you, if you and I are talking and Jesus makes a secret appearance here in the church, and you and I after church, we're talking, we're having a good time, um, and then... And then there's some guests over on the side, and oh, um, there's a, and Jesus is a person who's made a secret appearance, you know, and he's here uh, talking to somebody on the side of the room, and he sees a guest who needs attention. I guarantee you, Jesus would cut us off. He'd cut me off. He'd cut you off. He'd cut whoever off to go and speak with a person who needs the attention. That's what he would do. We'll talk more about what would Jesus do next week, and the answer is not what you expect. I guarantee you. The answer to the question, what would Jesus do, is not, even though we've, we've seen this on people's wrists all over the place, what would Jesus do? The answer is not what you expect. And, I'm, and it's not from me either. I'm, I'll show you exactly where you get the answer. But right now, those three things, remember them. Live respectfully and honorably. Give respect and honor where it is due and make the most of opportunities. Let's pray. God, thank you for allowing us to meet together. Thank you for speaking to us by your word as uncomfortable as it may be. Lord, I am sorry when I have failed you in not speaking respectfully of authority figures. I'm sorry when I have followed the world's way of thinking at times and, and not thought respectfully of authority figures. Lord, I'm sorry that we as Christians, have not had the impact that we need to have on our world. And we've gotten to a place where we've gotten so disrespectful of authority figures. And Father, as you are the ultimate authority figure, we love you. We respect you. We, we do fear you. And we want to honor you by the way we read your word and put it into practice. So help us with that, Lord. Help Show us how to do that better. Lord, we lift up to you those who could not be here, those who chose not to be here so that they could have all the appearances of protecting the rest of us. Thank you for those who are in the parking lot. And Lord, we lift up to you those who are actually sick. And we ask that you would provide healing and comfort. And may we show them that you love them through us. Help us, Lord. We need it. In Jesus' name, amen. Are we doing a song of decision today, or are we moving into uh, what? I don't know what we're doing today. Are we doing song of decision?
Okay, so if you need to, the songs have all changed, so that's why I act confused, and I'm usually not the one up here who's doing this part, but it's good for me. If you need to make a decision, maybe something's weighing heavy on you that has nothing to do with anything that has come out of my mouth. Because sometimes that happens. The spirit moves in, in mysterious ways sometimes. You can come into a church setting like this where there's hardly anyone here. And you feel like, oh, there's very few of us. And yet, and the preacher didn't say anything that has anything connected to what I, I'm going through. Yet the spirit of God can move us. Because we're in church. And, and you can sense that. And as the Spirit's trying to pull you closer to Him, why don't you respond? During the Song of Decision, you can come forward. I'm going to stand up. Uh, well, I'll go over there back where Stephanie was seated. During the Song of Decision, if you need to come forward, um, you can come to me. You can, and that's probably the best person to come to at this particular time. Um, I'll have my mask on if you come up to me and you need some guidance. If you don't want to come up during the Song of Decision, talk to God. And just, I dare you to ask him, Lord, what would you have me do? He'll pull you closer. Use this as a time to draw nearer to him. So let's go ahead and all stand and sing. <laughs>